Our Three Cents is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, please go to greenlitpodcasts.com. Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a weekly podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by my childhood friend Chris Dow, Monster Energy, and my adulthood friend Minty Booth. Oh, there's no need to shout. <laughs> this week we're taking another break from counting down our top 10 favourite video games of all time and we're bringing you a super special bonus episode looking at some games that have you set down the controller, put away the mouse and fully embrace the 26 letters plus punctuation at your fingertips in keyboard-based typing and text games. And we are thrilled to welcome to the show Peyton and Ben from RNG Party, whose recent release, the typing adventure Backspace Bouquin, has featured on the podcast and particularly captured the imaginations of these three gamers. So welcome, Peyton, and welcome, Ben. Hello. Happy to be here. Yep. So to kick us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what games you're currently playing? Peyton, why don't you take us away? Sure. I guess, first of all, a little bit about myself. I am an attorney in my day job. RNG Party is something that Ben, my friend Jake, and I started years ago as a sort of a hobby. Uh, we were glad mm-hmm. to actually release a game, but I do, yeah, uh, I do have a day job. And then uh, as far as games I've been currently playing, I've been playing a lot of Digimon Cyber Sleuth oh, Switch. Cool. That's been wow. a lot of my time. I, I recently uh, received my PlayStation 2 back from Ben where it had been stored <laughs> in his apartment for yeah. some time. <laughs> and I was playing some of the classic Digimon RPGs for PlayStation. And then I was like, why don't I play Digimon Cyber Sleuth? And then I got it and I, I'm really enjoying it. And then I've also been playing a lot of Crusader Kings 3 on Steam. Ooh, sort yeah. of a, a, mi- a mindless activity. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm a sucker for grand strategy games, so... Uh, that's been a lot of fun too. Have you managed to form a society that eats their own king? Because I've heard that's something that that was kind of how the game was sold to me. <laughs> I, I've not been able to uh, to make a cannibalistic society yet. I almost did a couple <laughs> couple times, but uh, haven't quite gotten there yet. It's the sort of thing I'm sure it's surprisingly easy to do accidentally. Yeah. I, think, I mean, certainly looking at the way that British politics is going. You can't move for people accidentally eating the monarchy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know what? We're going to have the last laugh when we do our 2021 retrospective episode and I'll cut this sample in and everyone will be like... <laughs> Which member of the ruling class do you think will be the tastiest? <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Ben? I have a Japanese exclusive handheld called the Wonder Swan. Ooh, I've been yeah. playing Chocobo's Dungeon on that. What a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mystery dungeon game, they though. They got an English translation not that long ago, didn't it? I think like it did, as a, yeah. It was a ROM hack, yeah. I'm not playing it, but yeah. <laughs> Are you playing this in Japanese? <laughs> yes, I am. Do you speak Japanese? <laughs> I can read a little bit of it. Um, I can speak even less, but I can read enough that I can get through it. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I managed to do that. I remember when I got an early, it must have been one of the Pokemon games that came out in Japan first. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I can, f- I mean, to be fair, obviously, I mean, Pokemon games have been exactly the same for 30 years <laughs> or however long they've been going. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't necessarily need to know what's going on unless, you know, you really want to find out about a young boy wearing shorts, <laughs> uh, enjoying his shorts. <laughs> which, Best bit of dialogue. <laughs> it's, it's certainly something. <laughs> Definitely the translator phoning in that day like oh god the mat- the match is on it like in like five minutes um right i like my shorts i like bugs right there we go that's all of that's all of route two done uh, what's next <laughs> so we'll come on to talk about rng party and the uh, work you've been doing in a bit but before we do that we have each prepared a memory of a particular text or typing based game from the archives of our gaming memories that we'd we'd love to share with you so uh, ben why don't you kick us off with a particular memory of a game that yeah revolved around text or typing well pretty much the only major one i've played is uh typing of the dead when i was growing up yeah. on my parents computer i pretty much learned typing with that game there we go <laughs> so i don't type very very well but it's really fun i mean it's a great game i, I uh, i'm gonna talk a little bit about typing of the dead overkill a little later on but the, one of the things while i was trying to do research for this episode mm-hmm. the only way i could find games that were 
based around typing is by using the search term edutainment as in educational entertainment (laughs) yeah so i'm sure you know because it is still so niche yeah so it's good that you learned typing from that i'm sure that you know whoever whoever started coming up with the ideas for uh, for edutainment software would be very pleased to know that it it did uh, it did serve some use Mm -hmm. how about you peyton what are some of the text or typing games that uh, stuck out to you in the years past sure so i um i never played typing of the dead but I did play again, like you said, edutainment game called yeah. uh, Jumpstart Typing, which is literally just a, a game that's just a series of mini games revolve around typing. One involves snowboarding. <laughs> Basically, my only just the memory of you know having my mom uh, booted up on the <laughs> computer so I could I could just play a game. I didn't have a lot of video games growing up, so uh, stuff like that was sort of. The only experience I had with video gaming at an early age was was learning games and specifically um, this typing one. I did not teach me how to type. I am a very poor typist, <laughs> but uh, but I enjoyed it. Ah, the irony! <laughs> Fantastic. I I've just googled some pictures of it now, and it, it, it's so painfully nineties. Oh yeah. Like, literally, if if you say to anybody, imagine the nineties. And then Google an image from Jumpstart Typing. Those two <laughs> images are exactly the same. Yeah, one you had to type type characters to climb up like a, a stone wall, <laughs> and then the one you snowboard, and it's just uh, it's just a lot of fun, you know, for a for a four year old. <laughs> Absolutely, it looks like exactly the sort of game that if if that if that were installed on like a school computer, I'd be like, guys, you won't believe this. The- Best thing has happened. The best thing has happened. I found this, I found this game. It was like I, I, I remember there was some. I think it was on the Encarta uh, encyclopedia software. There was like a vague game you could play where you like explored a castle, but then you had to answer questions based on stuff that you would learn using the Encarta encyclopedia. And that was like, yeah, that was an entire IT lesson right there. Oh, <laughs> what, oh. It's, it's like we've broken the system with one. <laughs> Chris, how about you? What are, what are some of the typing or text-based games that, that you've, uh, you've got any particular memories of? Well, because... I was a console kid for basically my whole childhood. I didn't get a home computer till I was at secondary school, so when I was like 11 or 12. I don't have many like super early memories of, of text or that sort of command-based game. And even the, the friend I've mentioned on here a few times, I used to go to his house and his, his parents were, were network operators or something, so there was always computers there. You know, I, I played Doom with him. I played Command & Conquer. I played Jazz Jack Rabbit. I messed around on Coral Draw, all these different things. But he never showed me any text adventures either, like any of those kind of classic text adventures. None of my family or friends at the time had a Spectrum. They didn't have an Amiga. No one had a Commodore 64. So there was none of that late 80s, early 90s home computing stuff that I had access to. And I suppose that the closest thing I could say fits this bill is that when I did visit that PC-owning friend, I had to learn how to operate MS-DOS. Oh, wow. And, you know, which which is kind of like a text-based game in itself, <laughs> especially for someone who, who wasn't yet computer savvy. Yeah. So, you know, working out how you, you get between directories or, or mount drives or, or, you know, load executables and everything else. It did feel like I was in the Matrix, shifting up and down and doing everything else. But, you know, thinking about it, the Matrix wouldn't be a cultural marker for like another five, six, seven years at that point. So I was, I was ahead of the Matrix, if anything. I think the, the Wachowskis were cribbing for me. I think I was just a text-based heathen in that respect. Like, give me a happy little sprite that could jump around on baddies' heads. And and I was golden. Yeah. So yeah, very, very, very little until, like we just talked about, I, I did play Typing of the Dead on the Dreamcast years later. Mm-hmm. But that was when I was in my my mid-twenties, I think I picked up a copy of that. So we're, (laughs) yeah, a long time between kind of like thinking about these sort of games and actually playing one. Talking about MS-DOS, I remember having a copy of Jimmy White's Whirlwind Snooker. Great game. It's a very, very good game. One of the things I remember about that game is if you took too long or you took a while to consider your shot then uh, little flies would start appearing on the table. And I always thought that was like sci-fi level detail. Uh, I couldn't (laughs) believe there was that sort of sophistication in the code. For for me, though, I've got a real just striking memory of, I think, the epitome of edutainment games. And it was on a machine that I didn't realise was so sort of... I guess notorious until fairly recently, which was the BBC Micro computer. Oh, jeez, yeah. Now, I, I imagine that they didn't make it over to the US. I had no idea what you're talking about, so... I don't think they did. <laughs> I'm aware of them, but I don't think they did. 
I'm sure there must have been something similar. I remember us having one in the corner of Mrs. Hogwood's classroom at Callisgrange Infant School, which was orange <laughs> class. And I'm sure that is probably the most stereotypically British sentence you've ever heard, guys. <laughs> 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 so this this BBC microcomputer had one particular game on it and it became the obsession of everyone. You know, everyone was like, right, if we if if I finish first on this maths text or whatever, that means I might get to go on the computer and play Granny's Garden. Oh. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does that that stirs something, doesn't it? It stirs yeah. something in the uh, in the reptilian part of your brain. I th- I feel like my my school or my primary school had a BBC micro as well. Mm. And I I can't have used it more than once or twice my entire time at school. But Granny's Garden, now that you've mentioned it, I'm sure it's like this latent nightmare image in the back of my mind from that time. <laughs> and it is a nightmare of a game. I mean, it is, it, it's got obviously very, very stark graphics. Uh, and, and yeah, you, you, you explore it through, through typing commands uh, mm. and then sort of remembering certain things that you pick up and try and find your way through Granny's Garden without getting killed by, by the witch, who I think was Granny. I don't know. I mean, it certainly is in my memory. <laughs> Absurdly, that game got a port to ios in 2014 (laughs) it It did yeah and there was a time when i was uh, providing the av support for an event up in north wales and i was sat in the control room obviously 100% focused on the job and recollected granny's garden and i thought right there must be a way to play it or at least I, i could google it and find out some more stuff about it and i remember being absolutely thrilled because not only did I find more information about it, I downloaded it. And also I wasn't morbidly hung over like my colleagues were whilst <laughs> I then sat with, with you know, near perfect vision playing through it. And, I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad. I, I think the combination of an obscure text-based adventure, the repressed memories of a six-year-old child with the beer fear, that is probably not a cocktail I wanted to indulge in whilst <laughs> stuck in a small space in North Wales. But I was thrilled that I managed to play through it. It, it literally took me about... 14 minutes i think to play through the whole thing it was ridiculous it was absurd it was surreal there was a talking toadstool uh, and it was terrifying and uh, i i'm i'm glad to to well i'll be very glad after today to put it back into my memory uh, for it to stay <laughs> how about you minty well a dear friend from high school sent me a gmud client over msn messenger in 2004 which is a date rendered useless by the context of the broader sentence. <laughs> he, gave me the, uh, he gave me the server information for the Discworld mud. Oh. I'd never read a Discworld book, and at that point, the world of PC gaming was limited to uh, Doom and demos that came with copies of PC World magazine. Our computer could just about handle being hooked up to a printer at that point, and that was all that was needed in our utilitarian household. <laughs> I've talked about how the game was uh, initially borderline insurmountable to someone who was used to just sort of jumping towards the right-hand side of a screen and swinging a sword <laughs> at a massive pig for years on ends, which eventually gave way to a wonderfully edifying experience, not only through teaching me to get better at typing, but also uh, reading the Discworld books and playing with my friends. I think on average, and we did work this out, (laughs) the five of us that played regularly in our little group, by the time that we left high school, we had spent an average about 1% of our lives playing this game. (laughs) (laughs) I think text-based games are great for multiplayer. Your controller has everything that you need to communicate with somebody without having to worry about things like uh, like dead air, like you would with voice chat. (laughs) Any lull in conversation is remedied by just typing, uh, tell Cronthor, sorry, just killing a troll, lol. (laughs) Something really slick and satisfying about having your P2P controls aligned with the controls for the game you're actually playing. It's it's utterly seamless. And it more games should use typing as a mechanic outside of key bindings. Let's imagine like a hack and slash game, for example. Uh, Type in cut, and you do five damage. Type in lacerate, and that's 30 damage. You Mm -hmm. unlock more spaces for letters as you progress through the game. A signpost tells you that longer words do more damage. Suddenly, next to your console, there's a thesaurus with every single page dog-eared. I honestly think that typing games are great for personal development, and I attribute my vocabulary to spending so long playing games that necessitate that skill. There's a good 40 buttons on a keyboard, and it's high time for typing to become a beloved mechanic instead of a quirk. And I'm very excited to have Ben and Peyton here, two men who should know, 
join us today to put typing games on a more <laughs> elevated platform. You would think. <laughs> <laughs> As an aside, uh, I, I told my wife that we were talking about typing games today, and she said, oh, Mavis Beacon. <laughs> yeah, that is, I've gotten that before. <laughs> So, over to you, Ben and Peyton. You've heard about some of your experiences with typing, or lack thereof. How did RNG Party come about, and, and Buckspace Bootcamp in particular? Why don't you tell us a little bit about, about the company, and how did you find your way then to developing typing-based adventure Backspace Bootcamp? Sure. Um, I'll talk a little bit about RNG Party, and then I'll let Ben explain okay. yeah. Bootcamp and, and the reason why it will become clear. <laughs> ben and I met in college right. he was a year the year before we lived in the same dorm and both of us had had a, had a love for for video games uh and a lot of things in common and i introduced him to some of my friends from high school um who, uh, <laughs> who were very much into the game into the pokemon games and that's where we did a lot of our our uh, our bonding was over pokemon once i graduated i decided i want to make something um and, and sort of sort of do do something and, and i talked to ben about it i know ben had been working on the, a game and i said hey you know let's do this together and, and see if we can't come up with something that game was garbage <laughs> uh, which led us to yeah. the realization that i know nothing and ben knows very little <laughs> about programming <laughs> Um, right. So we brought in our friend Jake, who goes to school for 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 computer science and is a is a programming whiz. Pretty much, yeah. So the three of us then started working on this game. We realized it was still garbage, <laughs> so we we scrapped that project, scrapped some other projects, and then um then there was a game jam that Jake and Ben did, and I didn't because I had a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. We did Ludum Dare 42, I think it was. It's a three-day game jam. And I think I think the theme for that one was... It was running out of space, right? Yeah, it was running out of space. That's what it was. Oh, wow. And so we were like brainstorming with friends just like on Discord. And one of our friends was like, well, what if you made it like actual physical spaces, like the, the space bar on the keyboard that you ran out of? And that got our minds going. We were like, all right, let's make a typing game. And we were playing through a obscure dungeon crawler called Mato Monogatari. It's where the Puyo Puyo series comes from. Oh, yeah. Oh. We were like, all right, let's just fuse these two things because we really, really like that game. So we jammed out Backspace Spoke and like just in three days <laughs> uh, over over the course of that game jam. The original, which was yep. uh, what, one floor. Yeah. I think it was three floors it was up to um uh what's his name carboniferous uh the boss and then people really liked it uh once we once we did it so we were like all right let's see if we can just make this a game this will be <laughs> the actual game that we've been trying to make for two yeah. years and been failing and to then, actually like, make a game a year and a half later uh we did it <laughs> came out that's so so good that's great throughout that whole time i was uh i was a teacher and then i went to law school yeah. Um, so <laughs> I was very busy. So I uh, I tangentially assisted all where I could, which was basically with 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 the art mm -hmm. um, to some extent. But but Ben made almost all the art, did all the music, and then Jake did I think all the programming, and most of the script writing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's a fantastic achievement. I mean, me and Chris, when we were kids growing up, we used to dabble with making games using the Games Factory. I mean. Op Obviously, they were dreadful. Yeah, uh, yeah they but were. <laughs> <laughs> I work as a professional creative now, and I look back at some of the early stuff I did creatively. Ob obviously, it's crap, but everything you make, as long as you learn from it, right. means that the next thing you do will be will be better. Until yeah, you start to make stuff that you're sort of consistently consistently pleased with. Our first game has some <laughs> high class art. Uh, I will say, uh, Ben and I did, actually worked hard on that art. Uh, it's it's against it's another pixel art based game, but it looks it looks nice it just does not it was work. supposed to be like a narrative game <laughs> so we were we were trying to go that route first but yeah it was like a lot of art and not a lot else so yeah. that's why we ended up canceling it we recently cranked out another game in a game channel where i was actually able to um to join ben and jake for the first time i think since we've done one all, all the three of us and i was pleasantly mm -hmm. surprised at uh how much i was actually able to uh 
to assist. It with worked out really artwork, well, yeah. Which allowed freed up Ben to do a lot of the music and sound effects as well as that game is 3D to some extent. Um, so mm-hmm. had some 3D modeling too. But nice. That game's also garbage. So it's not that bad. All, all aboard. It was what a little Doom Dare 47. What was that, Ben? I don't remember which one it was. Uh, 40. Yeah, I think it's 47. I must say, I am a really, really big fan of the music in Backspace Beacon. Thank it's you. Superb. I love chip tune music when it's done well. Mm-hmm. And it was very atmospheric. There's some really, really good tunes. I think in my re- review of it on the episode, I uh, spoke about the underwater level reminding me a bit of Aquatic Ambience track from Donkey Kong Country, Ooh, uh, which yeah, is, yeah. is, is oh, yeah, a great track. It was probably in the back <laughs> of my head, that song specifically at the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's got to be. I mean, like it, nothing sounds like underwater like that one. Yeah, it's so good. When I went snorkeling on a coral reef on my honeymoon, <laughs> I was playing in my head. <laughs> nice. uh, sure, you know, maybe the fish were singing it to me. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe I had heat stroke. So, if you've listened to a particular couple of episodes in the recent smattering of episodes, you will have heard mine and Chris's thoughts on Backspace Buchan. Most recently, in the episode centred around Minty's 10th favourite video game, I gave a full rundown of my impression of it. And if you dredge up season two of this show, you can find the episode featuring our 14th favourite video games. You can hear Chris successfully pitch the game to me. Needless to say, we loved it. Hence, <laughs> this episode... We praised the typing functionality, the overall tone of the game, uh, the music, like I just said. Uh, We just had a great time with it, and it gives us great delight to bring you the third sense opinions of the game as Minty has played through it in preparation for this episode today. So, Minty, what are your fresh impressions of your recent playthrough of Backspace Bouquin? Well, I love dungeon crawlers, and I love, even more specifically, diegetic tutorials. I don't think I saw anything outside the narrative that explained the game mechanics outside of uh, asterisks chirping around and saying uh, that they'll save a game here and there. Going in completely blind and being the person that's not terribly mindful of things, the first skeleton I encountered had me stumped a little after typing things like uh, hit, attack, Mm. and kill. I finally started mimicking them and it was one of the biggest, oh, that's really cool gaming moments that I've had in a in quite a long time actually. We we talked about we talked about uh, mechanics that blew us away in a previous episode and I really wanted to talk about this one, but I was uh, I was embargoed until today by old whip cracker done <laughs> over there. <laughs> but I, I, I really love how it puts uh, greater stock on the dialogue in the game, particularly the the transience of the signposts. Now, before I started to get a feel for the rhythm of combat and how often you'd run into enemies, I, I, I did leave a few signposts unbackspaced after reading them because uh, what if they contained deep lore that I'd need to fall back on? <laughs> and then I realised that there was a journal where passwords and the like were jotted down, and for that we thank you. <laughs> Playing around with the, the text in boss battles was fantastic as well. I got to the underwater floors and I thought, oh, I've suddenly become really shit at this game halfway through because I couldn't keep up with all the big words. And then looking a little closer... I saw that uh, all the dialogue was full of fish puns, and yep. <laughs> that was the second that's really cool moment in the space of about an hour and a half. I'll admit that I did breeze through the first playthrough because we only have one computer in my house and my wife is writing her thesis at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, there's more in there to make you want to go back and enjoy a more chilled and slower paced playthrough. I've got the bonus chapter in my sights on her next day off, and I'm really looking forward to it. I, I beat it in about three hours, and I I, just, I I really loved it all the way through. I think I think it's an excellent game. Thank you. <laughs> World record's twenty four minutes, bud. So you better <laughs> speed up, Minty. Twenty four minutes. Yeah. yeah, there's a yeah. We were really surprised when we we put up our Discord for RNG party, and a couple of people joined us. Like, you know, I speed run your game, and we're like, what? <laughs> um, they're really good at it. And they're really good. And uh, the the current world record holder uh, is twenty, I think, twenty four minutes and fifty seconds. That's insane. Oh. That's nuts. That this is yeah. I think on the hard difficulty without intentionally skipping any words, but it's something. Man, oh man. So obviously, Backspace Bouquin isn't the only typing based game out there, but it's true to say that they're hasn't been a wealth of them about the, the the first one i remember seeing that wasn't purely educational like granny's garden or the the learn french with rayman game i managed to convince my uh, my parents to buy for me <laughs> but the first game that really used typing as a mechanic that i saw is 
one that we've already mentioned, Typing of mm-hmm. the Dead, which is the absurd spin-off from the House of the Dead series, which is it's set up exactly like that game is in the arcade. But instead of firing a gun at the oncoming hordes of zombies, they have a word hovering over their heads, which when you successfully type it, it shoots them. Now, I think the game was actually released in the arcades in Japan, which is mental. I mean, yeah. just the germaphobe in me thinking of a full keyboard in an arcade <laughs> makes me want to puke. But more people probably, I mean, probably not a lot more, but most people would have seen it first on the, on the Dreamcast version that you mentioned, Chris, complete yeah. with keyboard peripheral. And then I think it was later ported to PS2 and obviously the PC something that i often challenge games with when i'm playing them certainly when it comes to the implementation of certain mechanics is 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 simply why why does this mechanic need to be employed here is it simply a gimmick or does it have a further use we've seen a lot of that in recent years as consoles and controllers have integrated gyroscopic controls microphone inputs touch screens motion tracking cameras all kinds of things so if a game uses one of those features just as a gimmick or, or you know simply because they can I don't really see the worth in that. However, it's very difficult to justify why the mechanic of typing in Typing of the Dead warrants being there. (laughs) (laughs) Intellectualise it too much. The the written word is not massively indicative of a zombie horde. Although, yeah, perhaps it is a seething satire on the state of modern sensationalist journalism. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) I think you hit the nail on the head. The only defining reason why this functionality is built into the game is simply because it's fun. It's an absolute riot. It's something that captured my imagination massively. And I actually remember one of the first times that I properly met up with you, Chris, in it had been quite a few years after we'd you know, gone our separate ways to union and all of that. And I came to your place when you lived in Faversham and I yeah. remember you having your like retro room set up, particularly because you had a Saturn in there with a, the flash drive and there was also a Dreamcast. And I asked you two questions. The first was, can we play Athlete Kings? Because that was always my priority. The answer was yes, followed by an hour or two of play. And then my second question was, do you have Typing of the Dead on the Dreamcast? The answer was yes, but not a compatible keyboard, I believe. But this was also in a time where the series had evolved and a sequel entitled Typing of the Dead Overkill, a spin-off of, you guessed it, House of the Dead Overkill, was now easily available on Steam. And you told me about this and I took great delight in downloading it that night and typing away into the small hours. And Typing the Dead Overkill is an incredibly fun game. It's got a great B-movie aesthetic to it. It's stylized to the hilt. It knows that it's absurd. It doesn't try and play anything too seriously like, you know, most modern horror games. It knows it's over the top and it knows the way it's asking you to control the game is ridiculous. (laughs) And then it just has a lot of fun with it. And the sort of tension you get when the enemies are ramping up and you're trying to type faster, but you start to get sloppy and then you get yourself in a muddle, it's it's a stress, unlike anything else I've experienced in any other genre <laughs> of game. It's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. There was also the Pokemon typing adventure game oh, released yeah. on the DS, which was, was about 10 years ago now. <laughs> and, and this came with a Bluetooth keyboard that connected to your DS system. Now, I really, I, I tried to give this game a whirl because I love Pokemon, I love typing. Unfortunately, I wasn't willing to spend £300 on eBay to get a copy. <laughs> is that how much it is That's now? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, mine's in the cupboard. I should sell up. <laughs> you probably should. Now's the time to bank. Jeez. We did do a bit of research, but we couldn't quite get a workaround for an emulated copy of the game to work, which is a shame because I really did really want to try it out. So Chris, dig that out, try it, tell us how it is. <laughs> but in the absence of that, we did decide to investigate some other modern typing adventure games that are out there. And we found a couple of very different games that we've given a go to have a chat about. The first is Epistory, a, mm-hmm. a really lovely, beautifully woven story that, that, that Chris, I'm going to hand over to you to, uh, to talk to us a little bit about. We found Epistory by accident. I think the good thing about Steam sometimes is it will just throw up a suggestion based on other stuff you're messing around with. And and this was just one of those that with a bit of research, we were like, oh, there we go. It's another, another typing game. I think this is is a really good typing game and it, it kind of it works because it's on a PC, obviously, because you have that input there. You have a keyboard in front of you. And I think there's not really much delineation anymore between console games and PC games. Generally, anything that launches on one could launch on the other and it's almost interchangeable. But typing games are still, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, bound to a computer because generally you need to have that in front of you. What this game does really well, I think, is 
is it takes an established kind of genre. So it is essentially like a, a dungeon crawler. Um, you could say it's got parallels to games like Bastion because it's got evolving narration. The pages or, or the pieces of the world unfurl as you make progress. When you're battling enemies or uncovering loot, it kind of has the same sort of rhythm as, as something like Bastion, especially. The way you kind of attack things, the way you clear obstacles is by typing a word or a stream of words. So if, if it's a tree that's fallen down you're typing the names of trees or or flora and fauna to clear those obstacles if it's something you need to burn through you're typing kind of words pulled out out of a thesaurus around burning and flames the the first chunk of the game is quite slow and quite easy which i was a bit concerned about but it does really ramp up over time like I'm, i'm sort of a few hours into the game now and there's a lot of these kind of like gauntlet challenges whereby your character is fixed in place and you're battling enemies from all angles by typing words which represent each one similar to House of the Dead. What's kind of interesting there is you, you have to have a strategy. You've got to look and think, okay, well, that's a much longer word at the back there that's approaching slowly. And I've got to think about, okay, well, if I take out that word, which is education or hierarchy or some like long word that's just a bit more awkward on your fingers, you can then obviously just bust out the quick ones like cat or bee without thinking when other things are much closer. And it's kind of like managing that stress level and that kind of managing the, the things that are coming towards you, which is quite a nice, you know, nice rhythm of combat. What I liked most about Epistory, though, was its control scheme. And we talked about this a little bit, me and you, Jonathan, a few days ago via text, that it's not easy to get your head around, but the developers have tried their best to repurpose your movement controls to be on the keys your hands will naturally rest on when you're typing. So you do have the option to use WASD or or use the cursor keys to get about. But you can also choose to use E and F on your left hand and I and J on your right. And they kind of work together to to maneuver you in in you know all eight directions and it takes a bit of time to to get a feel for it but it does then feel much more natural when you're just shifting straight to typing and back again because your hands aren't having to make a big shift to another part of the controller the menus as well you can control all of those by by typing the names of the options that are there like again you can use the mouse so it's it's perfectly accessible but i just like the way that you can type it that felt more like in in the spirit of the experience this is a bit of a tangent but I think this is a really like creative way of approaching a peripheral that you're interacting with a game with. And another really good example of that, which is not a typing game, is is a VR game called Static that I may have recommended to you at some point, Jonathan, because it's on PlayStation VR. But it's like a puzzle game that knows that there's going to be this disconnect between holding a regular control pad and being in a first-person VR game. So the entire thing then is based around the conceit that your hands are bound inside these little like puzzle boxes, almost like giant finger traps. And every button on the controller is then operating something inside these devices. And similar to the way that the keyboard then just becomes part of your experience in Epistory, the controller is just in front of you and you stop thinking about it being something separate from the game. And I really like that. It's just, it's really clever. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice. It's definitely worth a play. What I quite liked about Epistory as well, and, and the same reason I really liked Backspace Book and, and, and all these other games we're going to mention, is that it takes typing and uses it kind of like a modifier to to adapt another genre into something different. Mm-hmm. And all the difficulty then comes from obviously your your skill at typing. So if it's something that you struggle with, it's going to be harder. If it's something you're, you're really good at, it, it might be easier. But you've therefore got things like, okay, Epistory, like I said, is kind of a hack and slash game with a bit of exploration that's that's met this kind of typing hybrid. Typing the Dead is, is a rail shooter that's been repurposed and recontextualized. Backspace is obviously like a dungeon crawler that, that then has that propped in into the first-person format. And I, I really like this sort of additive design when people are, are creating games. And I think when when Ben and Peyton, when you mentioned that idea of, of using the game jam to think of an idea and then that mm-hmm. spiraling out into something bigger... It's, it's almost like Kafka-esque in that it's very matter-of-fact when you actually play the finished product. No one says, okay, this is this is a typing game and it's like this. You're, you're just in it, like Minty said, and, and that is the game that's around you. And I quite like that idea of just merging things together to create something that feels new and fresh and, and different in some way without it having like a big load of ceremony around it. It's, it's uh, hard to do, but once you do it, <laughs> yeah, it feels really nice. Well, then we get a lot of situations where people like are typing in attack hit to try and figure out what's happening but it's a big difference between between Baxter's book and, and these other games is like even with epistory you're sort of just typing words you see that yeah right tangentially have to deal with what's happening in the environment 
but then our game you type out all the dialogue and all the story is you you know either reading on these signs or, or physically typing it in and i think that's sort of where baxter spoken i think differentiates itself from other typing games that i've played at least yeah absolutely i, I think it it's totally different in the way that it it makes you engage with the full mm-hmm. dialogue of the game mm-hmm. and and you know like, like we say epistory is using words that are relevant in a way to the stuff yeah. that you're that is approaching mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't feel the same as actually having to think and engage with the dialogue each time or, or really think about right. kind of the story that is pushing you through yeah and yeah that's that's just really nice it's, it's one of the many things i really really liked about backspace mm. yeah i think again i sort of come back to that question of like why and i think epistory it's it's lovely that it's revolving around typing because the game is clearly made as a as like a love letter to the written word you know everything everything is made of paper and the text you know the narration is written in the in the scenery and it stays there and it's it's lovely but after a while once you know the patterns of like yeah you're typing the names of trees or the names of flowers or things a bee does or something whatever it starts to become mindless you don't you're not engaging with what you're Mm -hmm. typing so then i think well, why, why am I typing? It's no different from me just pressing A or a, a combo of buttons. Whereas, you know, it was one of the things I mentioned in my reflection on Backspace was that it's the most I've engaged with dialogue in a game in terms of just processing it. Because usually, you know, yeah, after a while, if you're playing like a big RPG, you'll you'll zip through some of it, you'll you'll speed read it, you'll pick out the keywords, you you know what's going on, but you know you're you're not engaging with every single word, whereas you are. And uh, the important thing is that you're then rewarded for it in Backspace because <laughs> it's really good and it's really clever, and there's fish puns. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where uh, that's where Epistory unravels for me a little because I've only gone so far in the game, but I've got fire and ice magic, and when you're having to like burn down the briars. It's all it's all words like uh, incinerate or inferno, all these all these fire based words, and that's excellent. Same with ice, like it's uh, freeze, refrigerate. But when it comes to all the random encounters, it's it's just three and four letter words that are just thrown at you at random. Like I've killed a massive grub by typing blow and load. Like, it, it just takes you out of it a little. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's sort of that's sort of one of the problems I have with with a lot of typing games is I I am not actually the biggest fan of the typing game genre because I think a lot of it is just you know Epistory is a beautiful game uh, just the art the art style is fantastic but I don't know in my opinion typing mechanic doesn't necessarily add right. that much other than yeah. it's just a different way of controlling the game and that's sort of where typing games fall for me a lot of the time is just why typing don't yeah. sure I have to type in a word when I could you know just click a button like what does it actually add I think that's what we went into backspace spoken thinking in part because we had played so few typing games that were maybe that interesting for us like I said I'd only really played typing of the dead we went in with that sort of mindset like what what can we actually do to make a typing game like really interesting and, and make typing you know core to the game and not just not just like tacked on that's not to say that that epistory or, or, or typing of the dead overkill you know are, are bad because they're typing not at all but, no not at all um, just that doesn't i don't know it doesn't add necessarily anything i think it's a really really good way of, of of approaching anything creatively it's it's the same as that necessity is the mother of invention it's like well i haven't played a <laughs> typing game that i like so i'm gonna find a way of, of mm-hmm. making that work on the total other side of the coin, we also sampled a game called The Text Assist, mm-hmm. a retro-styled bullet hell game where you play as a renegade exorcist trying to purge the world of demonic possession through typing out prayers <laughs> at them. It is absolutely insane. It's definitely a game... I, th- I I would put money on the fact that the title was conceived first as a pun and then reverse engineered yeah. into a game. Yeah. Uh, and it also it makes you type out your Hail Marys while simultaneously trying to control your character out of the way of waves of bullets, which is unlike what Epistory does, which you basically sit still, you go from moving to typing, whereas this has you doing both. And I'm going to hand over to Minty to tell you a little bit more about this one because I thought this was a game that was painfully up your street. <laughs> yeah. Am yeah. I right? I mean, uh, uh, we've we've established now that typing is 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 really quite an involving control scheme. 
particularly transcribing. Uh, it's not just sort of wiggling your thumbs and hoping for the best. Like, you're telling me to be cognizant of what's actually happening on the screen, typing it out verbatim, and also dodging projectiles in a bullet hell style gauntlet. I really like Text Assist, but the actual gameplay sections for me are like trying to hold the the same poles of two magnets together. It's two, <laughs> it's two repellent brands of ADHD that are just smashing their heads together and then getting flung to the other side of the room. The combat itself, it's, it's remarkably on brand, though. Uh, people of faith are encouraged to pour over their holy texts, and this game do- really does make you feel like you're putting that same amount of work in. We're not just pressing A for a quick attack, B for a strong attack in ever-increasingly complex combos. Actually typing things out like, um, Behold, Damien, the legions of God that burn against you <laughs> under the sword of the Archangel Michael. Uh, it's really quite gratifying when you can type all that out without getting hit by anything. <laughs> the fact that you're typing is contextualizing the game that's really great as well really love that actually thinking about it this is what we see in in backspace as well like having what you're typing be relevant to the game you're playing the yeah. narrative and the setting it's really it's it's so elementary and so simple that i'm surprised that just having relevant words hasn't been a staple in more typing games i feel like games that task you with just typing random words as quickly as it can reduce it to a a little bit of a dick swinging contest instead of <laughs> realizing how thematically powerful your player inputs can be i think the texture assist is definitely closer to what we wanted to do in the sense that yeah like you said that the words are you know relevant to what's happening mm, yeah yeah texture assist was released when we were sort of halfway through i think development of yeah i think we became aware of both of these somewhere around like halfway through development of mm-hmm. both Epistory and Textorcist. So we were looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> the bullet hell mechanic, it's just, like you said, it's two incongruent game mechanics that are just sort of forcing together. And, you know, it can be fun, but at the same time, it can be really frustrating. I think what would be a more fulfilling experience is if it was a co-op game. Ooh. And it was played with one person controlling the character one person typing out the prayers and it could even be that you're fighting as a a duo of exorcists you've got you've got one the young renegade ray bibia i think he is in this in this game and then he's partnered with like a max von sidow in the exorcist type character who uh, who isn't perhaps built for physically taking on the hordes but oh goodness is his knowledge of the scripture <laughs> second to none uh, and 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 so the person on the keyboard is going to be max von sidow uh, and you're there sort of hiding behind ray bibia as he's like brandishing his fists and then you're there cowering in the background with your gray hair and your bible getting all the words out i think that would be a really fun experience yeah now that sounds really fun to me <laughs> i i think like like you say i th- i think my my main issue with this one is is just the combination of genres and that having the the movement be tied to obviously using the arrow keys and having to get yourself around or you've also got the option of holding shift and you using was and d but I never felt that fluent in my typing because I was cons- I kept moving my hands around. Mm. And that was, I guess, the, the difference to how I approached Epistory, that I quite liked having that set position for my hands. And that kind of made it all feel a bit more seamless. Whereas this one, I, I would basically avoid attacks for a few seconds. And then when there was a lull in projectiles, I'd just have a mad dash to try and type as many words as possible. And that didn't feel like that's what I should be doing. I felt like it really should have been that I was maneuvering and typing at the same time. But you can't do that. No, exactly. You physically can't do it. It's not like, say, no. rubbing your stomach and patting your head at the same time, where when you get the knack of it, you could do both at the same time. You phys- <laughs> unless you grow another hand, right. which uh, <laughs> I've tried. It meant that I never got into that same stream. Like the the stuff I enjoyed most about about like playing through the the final stages of, of Backspace Broken was when when the phrases are getting more and more complex and you're having to really really watch and think about punctuation and everything else and longer and longer words mm-hmm. you you really zone in on the screen and it's like obviously if you're touch typing you're really really trying to go as fast as possible whilst not sort of breaking that gaze and I I just couldn't do that in this game <laughs> it's like I, I could I could move around for a few seconds I could stab out the odd letter with like one one hand on, on my left hand like I was you know the, the sort of doctors typing they do in the GPs where it doesn't seem to matter how long they've done the job they can't touch type and it drives me mad 
Yeah, it, it just, it, it's smashing together two shapes that I think don't quite go together. So back over to you, Peyton and Ben, are there any other typing games that you have come across that we should be on the lookout for? Or outside of typing games, any other games in general that you'd recommend? I know that Fish and Cactus, the people that developed Epistory, released another game, I think, late last year, Nanotail. I think it might be early access right now, actually. It's a, it's a beautiful game. So if you like Epistory, checking that out might be a good idea. As far as other games that I'd recommend, I recently played a game that I think came out last year called Light Matter. It's sort of a, it's a puzzle game in the vein of Portal. I actually saw it on a Games Done Quick. It was speedrun. I just happened, a friend of ours shared the link to it, and I just watched mm-hmm. it for 10 minutes. And I was like, this game looks pretty cool. You know, the idea is uh, it's a portal-like game where you're using, instead of making portals, you're using light because uh, you can't step in the shadows because of uh, some horrible experiment has caused shadows to become all-consuming. So you're manipulating these light sources to make it so you can get out of these different stages. And it's, it's really an enjoyable game. If you, if you like Portal, I really recommend Light Matter. Mm-hmm. I second that. Brilliant. Just had a little look at it on Steam. It is free to try mm-hmm. for the first mm-hmm. hour. So no excuse <laughs> not to give that a go. It does look very cool. So what does the future look like for RNG Party? Are there any more typing games in development? As far as typing games, I think right now we have discussed a sequel oh. but we, we don't know when that would happen yeah uh, right now if we're going to release any more typing content it would be just updates for backstage spoken we we really appreciate everyone who's bought it and we we really enjoyed giving it uh, you know releasing more free updates because people seem to enjoy it and uh we like we like uh we like writing and making the art for it so we plan on releasing more updates in the future um, but nothing is in the works right at this very moment as far as more typing games i'm really excited yeah me too <laughs> i hope we haven't come across as being really sycophantic in this episode but <laughs> I, I think it, i think it's the best implementation of typing i've seen in a game and like i, I found this first out of the three of us when i, I picked it up in an indie gala bundle just of you know cheap yep. steam keys and for whatever reason i thought oh, i'll give that one a go first and it's rare that I'm like so drawn in by the idea of something that quickly. And it's, you know, I feel quite happy that I've been able to at least pass this on to more people and kind of sing the praises of something that has really gone under the radar, but deserves a much bigger audience for people that like interesting kind of weird implementations of of genre. Yeah, we, I mean, we really appreciate it. So I understand that you're also developing a game for a brand new console that is coming out this year, which is this lovely looking new handheld device from panic called the playdate which is well it's, it's this lovely new little thing it's got a gorgeous high contrast black and white screen and a crank on the side of it to use as an extra control input which is you know quite interesting and uh, and your game is called uh roly poly adventure it's Polly's roly rumble and it's a gyro game sort of in the vein of kirby's tilt and tumble if anybody's ever played that game unfortunately kirby's tilt and tumble came out at the tail end of the game by colors lifespan and it, it didn't work on the game boy advance exactly because you had to turn the cartridge up so you have to plug the cartridge in the other way up or something it's just like it's a shame so we really like that game and we got an opportunity to work on a handheld for once a play date so we were like let's give it a shot it had a gyro in it we're, we're all hands on deck on that game right now. So that's our main project. They're doing an interesting setup with the distribution for the games on the Playdate, releasing them in seasons that you subscribe to, and then you get a new game downloaded onto your device every week. But yeah, it's a really exciting little project. I, I, I mean, I can't wait to see just see the console itself and, um, and have a play with it. We really are enjoying developing for it. I would like to see it as well. Unfortunately, we only got one actual device. <laughs> right, Jake has and, uh, the only one. Jake has. <laughs> He's notable by his absence. He got it during quarantine, so we haven't been able to all get together. Yeah. Oh. Ben and I haven't been able to actually play our game, really. But it's been fun. Doing the art in uh, two colors, uh, in, in just two colors. It's very challenging. Really, really a challenge, you know. It's been a lot of Ben and I passing these sprites back and forth saying, "What? Uh, can you fucking fix this? Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is a mess. It's just so mad when you see like really like compressed art very very sort of you know low bit rate i remember when i was playing stardew valley and when you see the sprites on the screen you know and, and that's obviously dealing with a lot more colors than the mm-hmm. play date 
does. And you think, how on earth, how do I know what emotion is on that person's face when all they've done yeah. is change the yeah. color of two pixels? But somehow, somehow you, you do. And it's amazing like how you can convey certain shapes and certain objects with so few pixels and go, yeah, I know mm-hmm. exactly what that is. And this, the plane has the aspect ratio or some aspect ratio to the, to the DS. 400 by 220, I think is this. And we're, we're I think we're, we're making it at half. We're doing 200 by 120 or 110 or something like that. It's a really good uh, like way to force myself to learn exactly how like this really low resolution pixel art works mm-hmm. because we've only got two colors. There's only so many places they can go. Mm. So I'm basically forced to learn how people interpret that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard too when you're making one sprite at a time without being able to see it all put together. So we're all times we're having Jake. It's like Jake throw this into the build and send me a picture of what it looks like. Yeah. I, I can't tell what this is gonna look like. Yeah. But um it's been a lot of fun developing for the play date. We were lucky enough to to randomly be selected to get a get all the <laughs> yeah. and it's been fantastic. And we were yeah, we're just really lucky that Backstreet Spoken has been successful enough for us to be able to continue having the resources to develop games. And we're just really happy with with how it's turned out and appreciate all the support. So we would like to leave you with these few words, our favourite words, in fact. If we were going to die and could only spell out one last word on Scrabble, what would it be? Ben. Let's see. I'll pick a, a word from Backspace Boken that we used. Uh, cryovolcanism, I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Peyton. Sapphire. What a good one. Chris, because my day job is a, is a teacher and I can't swear all day, I just love swearing. <laughs> and, and, and because obviously this is this is a cross Atlantic conversation we're having at the moment, I think a good <laughs> British swear word is just wanker. <laughs> it's really, it's really fun to say. <laughs> Minty sausages. <laughs> <laughs> my favourite word is pusillanimous. What does that mean? Fancy. I think it means cowardly. Oh, wow. Yes, pusillanimous is cowardly. Pultritudinous is beautiful. Oh, wow. Like poultry. Yes. Tasty. <laughs> so tasty. So there we have it. Hopefully you've enjoyed our collective thoughts on the most entertaining ways you can use your keyboard with both hands. Hopefully this... That was a wanking joke. <laughs> I wrote that with the, with the intention that I replaced it and forgot. Hopefully this has piqued your interest in some games that normally would have flown right under your ruddy radar. It has been an absolute pleasure to be joined by Peyton and Ben from RNG Games. If people want to keep up to date with what you're doing, what is the best place for them to do that? They can join our uh, Discord, RNG Party Games. They can also follow us on Twitter at, at RNG Party. And as always, you can engage with us on our various social media channels, facebook.com slash our3cents. Chat to us on there. Tell us what you're playing. Tell us what you think of Backspace Bootcamp when you've obviously gone out and bought it on Steam before this episode is even finished. <laughs> you can ask us questions you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. And we'd also love to hear what your top 10 favorite video games of all time are. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitch, and TikTok at O3C Podcast. I've still only posted one thing on TikTok. Don't understand it. And if you search for Our Three Cents on YouTube, you can find all of our amazing video content there. You can also reach out to us individually. I am on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. I am at Chaz underscore Hodges. And I am Clement underscore Boo. And if you're really enjoying what we're doing here at Our Three Cents, then you can also get even more whilst also showing us some hugely appreciated support over at patreon.com slash our three cents loads of great perks available there including deleted scenes and outtakes custom artwork access to the exclusive discord channel and full bonus episodes exclusive to patreon and please do join us next week as we kick off our eighth favorite video games of all time starting with chris's so we'll see you next week for chris's eighth favorite video game and in the meantime Bloody enjoy your keyboards. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is why I write a script, because otherwise I just it's just nonsense. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games? That's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2000, because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2000. 
With a purposeful grimace and a terrible smile, join Nikki and Wyatt as we stomp our way through the history of Toho's Dai Kaiju films in Discuss All Monsters. Are you telling me we're going to discuss all monsters? We won't stop until there isn't a monster left to discuss. Smash that play button like Godzilla and King Kong smash an 18th century Japanese pagoda. Only on the Greenlit Podcast Network. 